Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before, and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Oh, Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign. This is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, an old friend, Jude Angelini, host of the All Out Show on Shade 45, and critically acclaimed author of the memoir Hummingbird, and a new friend, Julia Cunningham, host of LA Daily on EW, and also a resident indie rock expert on Sirius XMU. Hello, welcome to both of you. Thanks for having Hi, us. Thank you. Thank you for uh, checking yourself out of hospice to come by, Jude. <laughs> yeah, I came by. Right now I'm wearing the flu, the flu mask. I don't know how they let people on airplanes with this shit. It seems like some terrorism, like something yeah. obscuring your face. Like I I find it very nice of you to be doing that, though, because we all have to share microphones. Yeah, dude, I, I think maybe yeah. everyone should probably do it anyway. Just be some people in some Just mics, a cycle of sick in, in studios. I don't want to say anything about any mics, but the mic I use in your studio. Nasty. Smells like someone got diabetes. It got that diabetes smell to it. Covino and Rich are in there before us. Well, so I'm not, let's not say you're like pointing the blame. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's Covino or Rich who you're accusing of being diabetic. All right, <laughs> they might, they but got that's the, out there now. They got the sugars. <laughs> so uh, I, Julia, your your career mystifies me. Because Fair you enough. are an Entertainment Weekly person and an indie rock person. And yes. generally speaking, never the twain will meet. No, I try and do the Lord's work by bringing serious XMU artists into the EW world. So is that where your heart really lies with the indie rock stuff? I mean, I do. I mean, listen, I will listen to Carly Rae Jepsen. I love pop music. I love uh, going into old soul music, like you know, in that way, I'm not a, a snob, quote unquote. Like mm-hmm. I don't just listen to indie or whatever. Yeah, like I'll go see Beyonce or Justin Timberlake in a concert, something like that. Like I totally appreciate that. But yeah, my heart lies in the indie world. That's like what got me into music. Like I can remember hearing Radiohead for the first time and being like, "What is this?" and taking me away from Top Forty. You know, something like. Duh, it's Radiohead. Right, it's like Radiohead. <laughs> it's problem. But I remember Asshole. hearing OK we hate, Computer. We hate her now. <laughs> exactly. But, Ugh. you know, so I don't like to be judged. The way, like, Jude, you probably don't only listen to hip-hop. No, I, yeah, I barely ever listen to hip-hop. Right. And I think what you were saying, too, to your point, the fact that you do listen to Beyonce's and Carly Rae Jepsen's, it kind of gives credibility. It, it helps bridge that gap. Yeah. Two people that only listen to that be like, yo, I listen to that too, but yo, you should peep this shit. You you might also enjoy this band as well. Totally. And I think the lines of, of music are so much more blurred now because the label system's imploding and people are finding things through streaming and things Ooh. are being, through algorithms, being put into yeah. people's places. And there's, you know, the world of electronic. I mean, people are not really buying guitars anymore necessarily. You know, I mean, people are, I think, but I think sort of the vibe that's happening, that's electronic hip-hop, is also in the indie world. And so people yeah. that like, you know, Kygo might get into the XX or something. I think it's a little bit more blurred. 
I don't know all the words in that sentence. <laughs> I, I I don't know the words, but I do agree, and it's it's, it's kind of this weird. Uh, We're in a, t- a weird time in music, I guess. Is, well, is in a culture, nice culture has become hom- a bit homogenized, where everything is kind of just lumped in together. You're all getting it off of like four main sites right. that are just pumping it to you. Um, in my day, but like in yeah. my day, it was like you listen to this, and then that crew listened to that, and there might be some crossover here and there, but there wasn't much, and you were clearly defined by the your musical taste, yeah. right? And so much so that you kind of, in the same way that like you know, a fish is never aware of water unless it makes it to the air. Right. I distinctly remember the first time my wife told me flatly how much she hated all the music that I listened to because she's coming from a complete... And I this used to be a real issue in my mind. I really thought one of the many reasons why I would never find a suitable life partner is because I thought we would not be able to agree on music. And I assumed it would be somebody from my little phylum. Right. And I'm like, this. she's going to want to listen to Interpol and it's going to be a problem for me. But then here comes my wife and she just likes... She's born in Japan, raised in the Midwest. Basically, soul is her go-to. Her top three artists are like Frank Sinatra, Aretha Franklin, and Bjork. And, wow. I'm, and I that. would, which is cool, yeah. which is great. But I'll play, I would play the shins and she would be like, have you ever considered listening to bands where the singer can actually sing? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's like all my music is singers, that's singers sweet. I cannot yeah. sing. Yeah. I know. Right? Like who needs singing? Yeah. This guy went I'm to college. Fucking but talk. All, he's, all he's of, clever. All of indie rock and most of the artists on our list of, of important bands of, of indie music Which make me be, be like yeah. make me be like oh I could be a singer because they're all terrible yeah right gives so, me hope what, so what are like the top terrible singers that have really is Lou Reed considered an awful singer because I like Lou Reed yeah Lou Reed's considered sort of tone deaf is he because I feel yeah. like there's like ninety percent of his stuff where he's a he's just a junkie rambling but yeah. then right. there's the 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 ten percent where he's singing perfect day. Yeah, and we yeah. consider him to be Great. this amazing tenor. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I guess don't, I don't not. Know, I don't know where we come down on him. All right. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I guess we could sort of debate that one out. But well, he's let's not do I, that. Yeah, I guess we can debate it out because that's exactly where I want to begin. To paraphrase the the TV show review that was on Comedy Central, indie rock is huge, but is it actually any good? Um, I like a lot. I've put together a list of as best as I could come up with with some input from you, Julia, what I consider the 20 essential indie rock bands. No way we get through this whole list. And I love some of these bands, some of these bands I could do without. I'm sure you feel the same way. Jude, you probably feel like you don't have an opinion on a lot of these acts. Some of them I won't even know. I'm looking at the top one, Velvet Underground. Me and my homeboy go round and round about that shit. He's always shitting on Velvet Underground. I'm like, well, that's because everybody bit off of Velvet Underground and now you're familiar with that sound, but like... right. They're kind of dope, and you should give them a chance. And actually, m- melodically, and some of the songwriting, I think, is fucking dope. Yes, as they say, uh, what, a thousand people bought this record, but every single one of them started a band? Yeah. This is pretty much indisputably where indie rock begins. Doesn't sound all that alternative to modern ears. It's hard to say, too, because we're like, we're listening in 2018, man. Like, I was talking to my mom the first time she heard like uh, Emerson Lake and Palm Palmer <laughs> yes. when he when he goes off on the Moog and shit, <laughs> and like they were like on a dirt road and that shit started happening and it just fucked her head up. She was like, "What the? What fuck? is this?" Yeah, it was like we we're not blessed with those experiences as much anymore. You know, we don't 
I haven't heard a song where I'm like, what the fuck was that? Right. It is, yeah, it, it's true. To me, it always sounded like the critical difference between Velvet Underground and what was going on at the time is that everybody else was writing love songs to people and he was writing love songs to heroin. To, to drugs, yeah. <clears throat> and I guess people, that was a shocking thing at the time. If the Beatles, like, shaking their, tussling their hair that was three inches longer than it ought to have been was, like, satanic, I guess I can see where that would have been <laughs> Then you get the pelvic Elvis thrust and shit. Like, yeah. so right. a dude singing about his love towards fucking heroin. Yeah, no. Yeah. But also, like, John Cale, who was sort of did all the instrumentation for Velvet Unground, is now considered sort of a god. But at the time, it was, like, didn't seem like that big of a deal. But I'm sure if you broke it down, we weren't actually really hearing things like that at the time that was kind of crossing over to almost mainstream. Not quite, because it was still too underground. Straight yeah. up. Even Lou Reed's Transformer album, like, he does really interesting stuff yeah. musically. Like, just... Weird offbeat claps throughout there, fucking using horns and shit. Like it's just, it. I fi- I find it an interesting album to listen to. Like I I, I dig it. And I th- I think people should go back and listen to it really just to give it another shot. Yeah, I think it is good. I think I think it is aged. Even if it was terrible, then it's still important. But I actually think it's it remains listenable. Right. Well, because a lot of times it's hard, and you could say this with a lot of these bands, where how do you make more music and the success of your own success, right? Yeah. Like, how do you make more interesting? And I like that Velvet Underground and Lou Reed specifically was like, no, I'm not making music for you. I'm making it for me. I don't right. care what my success was. And I think that's like why we still talk about them and him specifically. And it works. Yeah. yeah. I think Nico was great too. And I love the fact that he wrote songs for her through Gritted Teeth because that <laughs> was the like only forced. way the way Andy Warhol was going to keep bankrolling the enterprise. And I think it's actually the best stuff, but that's a different story. So uh, I'll we'll be move. Your mirror. We'll move on. Uh, we're going to jump ahead like 15 years into the 80s, which is the heyday of you know the dawn of indie rock, and of course these guys here. This is Joy Division. I was going to say, is this? Wait, they got Joy Division and the New Order, and then the one guy died. Julia can explain better than I can. Yeah, that's Ian Curtis. He was the the front man and like the lyricist for Joy Division, and he killed himself. Right. And then the remaining members turned into New Order and went synth, basically. And Joy Division is actually a word for like the. Nazis hookers or some shit like that. Oh, is that true? Yeah, some, I didn't know that. Yeah, a little tidbit of information that was like the Joy Division. The Joy Division. Go, 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 oh. go bang it out over there at the Joy Division. Wow, sounds I didn't more know Japanese, that. but well, sure. they were cool with each other. Yeah, they were very friendly. They had a good thing going until you know they had the Joy Division. You yeah, they, yeah. I like Joy Division, man. I fuck with Joy. I got the I got I got the two album set like of their greatest hits. The thing with me, the weird thing with me with Joy Division is I'm, I like to make um, mixtapes, and a lot of their uh, the beats aren't that groovy, and it's very jarring when I put it on a mixtape. Oh, sure, yeah. It'll yeah. be like you know, like grooving, grooving, because well, it sounds almost like it's playing out of a broken speaker. Yeah. Or something. It's yeah. sort of like what that sounds like, I guess, if you had to describe what Joy Division sounds like. There's a subgenre of it all started with England. Well, it started with Kraftwerk. It's German, really. Indie rock and synth pop tends to lose me when the guys pretend they're robots. Right. And the funny thing <laughs> yeah, is, I get, is yeah. 
The funny thing That's he, just not my vibe. Once again, we come back to Interpol. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, and for being a Michigan, a Michigander, if you will, mm-hmm. like, Kraftwerk reached everybody. Like, hood motherfuckers to nerds. Everybody listened to Kraftwerk. Really? Like, yeah, you like you the cool, not just cool Michigan. No, like bro, your, your you, mom would be have a working knowledge of Autobahn. Yeah, wow. Whoa. Yeah, we used to listen to Tour de France at the crib, and then you would go to like a you would go to a black club, and they would speed up Kraftwerk and dance to it like it was dance music. Wow. Yeah, it's it's. I guess because just the bare bones of it work as Kraftwerk, electronic, yeah. almost hip hop music. Kraftwerk has such a big place in Detroit music that. Uh, it's our, our whole techno scene. If it wasn't for craft work, it wouldn't be what it wouldn't be half of what it is. Did bands like Can become big too, just because of people searching out other stuff like craft work? Can did well, but it it wasn't the crossover. It wasn't interesting. The, it wasn't the <laughs> you, you couldn't go get a, a, a Hennessy. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like a, go, go to a some bar, get a fucking Hennessy, and dance to fucking numbers by craft work. Yeah. Can would have played at the amphitheater. Craftwork would have been at the Silver Dome. Got it. Straight up. (laughs) That's amazing. You're blowing my mind here. Yeah, it's fucking nuts, dude. And then in a lot of early, a lot of early rap sampled the fuck out of Craftwork. Yeah. So like, it makes sense. There's a bit of a crossover, but I also understand people not being all the way on board with Craftwork. I just don't agree. I fucking love those guys. Well, yeah, no, it worked for Daft Punk. Yeah, later, you know, it's yeah. it's amazing. It, it, I think it's cool when you do something and then it becomes like the big mainstream thing. A couple years later, it gets co-opted. But the longer it takes for that to happen, the cooler you are. Right. And I feel like the ethos of craft work essentially became it. Daft Punk is not just that. And I'm not shitting on Daft Punk. I'm actually a really big fan of Daft Punk. I too am. But that's the originator of that shit. There's nothing. Right. It's like the, the circle back of it. Yeah, that's the archetype. I talked to a guy who directed a Morrissey movie and he said something that's so obvious, but I never really thought of it. I said, why is Morrissey such an enduring guy? And he said, he's an archetype. Like Liam Gallagher was, what's his face? Stone Rose is guy in whatever his face, who was Mick Jagger. Right. Mick Jagger's right. the archetype. You know, Morrissey is an archetype. There wasn't a Morrissey before there was a Morrissey, and there wasn't really a Kraftwerk before there was uh, a Kraftwerk. And then all of a sudden Daft Punk does it, and then Kanye West does it, and now this is just pop music. And now we just have it forever. Yeah. yeah. You know what always blows my mind every now and then, especially now that I go back and li- find old albums? It's like I'll I'll be listening to a record, and I'll be like, Oh, that's where they got it from. Like, yes, I do that too all the time. Isn't it? Um, there was a, there's a, there's like a, a album called Time by ELO, and there's there's a couple songs on there where I'm like, well, they just fucking they ripped that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, that Kraftwerk just was like, that's ours, and then fucking 25 years <laughs> later, I get to hear Kraftwerk getting their dick rolled for it, and yeah. I like them both, but it was it's just really like you're like what? No, especially now. I was saying to Tully beforehand, I've been like listening to a lot of sort of like the psychedelic era of soul music, yeah, and so many of our artists on XMU, I'm like. Oh, did they illegally sample that? I mean, that is clearly a ripoff of XYZ. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, I think a lot of times the trick is you don't want to rip off artists that your your fans are. It's almost just like being the person with excellent taste. Right. Don't rip off stuff that you people who would listen to your band they are know. also familiar with. It's about find something that your fans don't either know. haven't heard of or don't realize they would like or don't realize that if you just slightly repurposed it, it becomes a thing they could get into. And yeah. I think that there is a, a craft, there can be a skill to that as well. There can be an art to that as yeah. well. 
Jumping back over to Morsi, and I tell this story often, I was really surprised because in Michigan, like, you know, if you like the Smiths, it was it was like emo white kids and shit. And I was like, I went to Smith's night in L.A. It looked oh. like La Bamba. Yeah, it's all Hispanics. Yeah, dude. And, like, they're all dressed like the 50s, bro. Like, it fucked me. I was like, what the fuck is this? I haven't seen but there's a documentary about that. Yeah. About this, like, culture mm-hmm. in, in young Hispanic men that love Morrissey. And they're going back deeper now. I was at my kid's Little League game, T-ball game, the other day, and there was a Mexican dude who was fully wearing, like, a like a Meet His Murder Smiths, because I felt like they got into the the mid-solo era of the prime solo era of Marcy, the rockabilly. So right, right. They yeah, yeah. and stuff, but apparently they're they're getting back into the jangle. Oh, good, yeah. Get back deeper. <laughs> Go dig deep in Marcy. Yeah. I love Marcy. As long as we're talking about him, I'll go ahead. And yeah. I love... Love songs that are like, I love you so much, I'm going to throw myself off a cliff. Yeah. Like, I love that kind of stuff. Or it's like, if you're so charming, why are you here alone tonight? Yes. You're like, fuck, dude. Yeah. I don't relate to that one. God damn. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking punch me in my heart, Morrissey. Oh, if people, so good. If people don't like Morrissey, you can't make them like Morrissey. It's it's like uh, it's like foie gras. There's, just right. a, there's, right. a, there's a jarring note there that either you get addicted to or you don't care for. But I, I will say for people who want to shit on him, there's probably a lot more to Morrissey. If you listen to one song and had to turn it off, there's a lot more there than, oh. that people think he can be reduced to a one sentence stereotype. And some girls are bigger than others. What is he even like? Is that does that mean nothing? Or is he literally <laughs> just like saying, everything? FYI reminders, there's fat chicks. Like, yeah. what is that song actually about? Combo, maybe. Hmm? It was a combo of that. Maybe. Yeah, combo. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. And if it makes you feel better, I grew up hating Morrissey because my sister would play it all the fucking time. A lot of the reason why I'm familiar with this music is because it would come from my sister's room. And I would try to drown her shit out with my fucking rap music. But then as you get older, you just like, you almost become, your ear gets trained to the music whether you like it or not. And then I go back and revisit it and I'm like, damn, this shit is fucking good. good." Yeah, like, wow, this is fucking solid. When yeah. I love that Morrissey's over the top and like cancels concerts because he was stung by a bee or right. you know what I mean? Like I love that he is whiny and <laughs> annoying and kind of a monster and he I love he, it. He yeah. got a I I'm not gonna say anything. He got the I knew a I am I'm friends with a friend who was like was playing along with them and he kept trying to turn it like touch his get drunk and touch his dick and like me to his ass and then the the the, the other musician just beat the shit out of him and got kicked off of the fucking tour. Hey, Morrissey's band beat wow. somebody up for Morrissey? I always assumed they hated him. No, they beat up Morrissey. Oh, the, the Morrissey's band. the one that got beat up? Wait, yeah, okay, the wait, band. Tell, this, tell, yeah, this, like, tell the story again, please. All right, so wait, the yeah, band, mis- mislistening. The, the band member, like, Morrissey kept hitting on the <laughs> band member, and this guy's like a fucking serious musician, yeah. fucking session dude, badass. Has family in the business that can play as well. I don't. I don't. I, I know him from. I don't even know him. I, but I, th- these are like from reliable sources. And I guess Morrissey kept trying to grab his dick, and he was like, "Yo, bro, like if you stop doing that, if you do that again, like I'm gonna beat the shit out of you." And Morrissey, being Morrissey, just 
fucking went for wow. that dick and took a fucking ass whooping. And then my man got fired. He got fired off. The I t- mean, yeah. yeah. He got fired off the <laughs> fucking yeah. chair. Yep. Rule number one, one. Yeah. being in Marcy's bed. <laughs> don't yeah. beat up Marcy. Don't beat up Marcy. <laughs> Rule God, number two, crazy. let him grab your dick. Oh, my so. God. He tends to have pretty Keep that job, skinny yeah. boys in his band and Boz Borer. <laughs> I guess yeah. he needs to have somebody around there who actually knows what they're doing. Yeah, so. Crazy. Yeah, I love that Marcy <laughs> hasn't, he doesn't pander. He hasn't changed in all of the- Not at all. And all of the quote unquote terrible things his fans are, you know, wish he would shut up saying. With the uh, fucking 20 minute long fucking meat thing and shit on stage. But his political stuff too, anti immigrant stuff. Like, go back and listen to the songs. It's all It's all there, yeah. We are the last truly British people you will ever know. Yeah. That's the shit that you fell in love with him for. Maybe not that exact sentiment, but the right. album that got you into him, that's on your arsenal. Right. right and and right. also like any statement he ever puts out, then at the end it's always like, Enough the Queen. Yeah. Right, right. He's still I love how he's still really angry at everything he was really angry at when he was yes. sixteen years old. I, I always say this, but the song Rubber Ring to me is is a, it's not even the greatest song, but lyrically he's like I'm. I. It's so amazingly insightful. The song is. I. I'm. I'm a phase you're going through. I'm getting you through adolescence. But once you move on with your life and you actually start having fun and have boyfriends and girlfriends or whatever you want to have, just keep me in mind because I'm still gonna be this miserable cunt over here. That's the realest shit ever. Yeah. It's crazy. He's like the 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 emo Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. He really is. Yeah. If he's now, not, how do you appear? I always, always clumped him together with the Cure, and I don't know boom. why. No, I think a lot of people do. Yeah, I think lyrically, same place of just like emotional gut wrench. Yeah, kind of like teenage angst. Yeah, teenage not angst really for knowing sure. Where, where to go and. I remember Michael Ian Black describing The Cure when he was like, I love the 80s. And he yeah. was like, I was so upset when they crossed over because he was like, that was like that was for us nerds. Yeah. But then everyone has heartache. So he was like, what I was guess we had crossover? to share. Was this the crossover or Love no. Cats? Friday or? I'm in Love, I think, actually became like a huge hit. No, even before that. Before that? That, that, that okay. was. Was it close to me? Like that's Oh, one. maybe close to me. I can play close to me on my station. I can play close to yeah. me on Shade 45 and get away with it. Like, wow. I, I actually opened with it the other day. Like. I can play close I mean, to me. They just have classics. I think just like heaven was a legitimate top oh, forty hit. Just like heaven, disintegration sure. was. Yeah. like that was the same. That time. was the one, huh? Well, people forget now what a role MTV played in this stuff, and the bands that had a real strong visual thing could become really, really big. Even if they didn't necessarily have the the radio play to back it up, they were just kids watched MTV. Oh and yeah. So just the same time that Depeche Mode, it was like, it was just time. For them, they had been on the cusp for so long. It was just sort of time. Yeah. Same thing with the cure. And they had an it interesting look. Yeah. So it's very visual with the cure. I always thought yeah. he was the gay one out of the two. You between, may have been wrong between him and Morrissey. I think you may have been. Yeah. Had got that dead wrong. I think he may. He granted he he looked and acted like a latter day Liz Taylor. He's <laughs> he's straight. <laughs> Uh, he's he's straight <laughs> Never as... Never heard a, that. That's hilarious, though. Yeah, he's straight up. Yeah, I think he's straight as the fucking... He's straight very as shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Very are, white diamonds, yeah. Very white diamonds. brought me luck. <laughs> yeah. White diamonds. It's amazing. You know, I bought my girlfriend that one year from... Really? Yeah. yeah well, I had it's no, like an old lady scent. Well, I didn't know any better. It was the most it. expensive... Yeah, it's like you it see the, the commercials. Most, yeah. I was like, give me the most expensive thing at... at uh, at Rite Aid, and that was it. <laughs> it's white diamond. Yeah. You know what's classic scent? I've, uh, people have told me in different uh, conversations, never meet Morrissey and never meet Robert Smith. And Morrissey, because he's just such a, 
a bastard. I've yeah. never met one person who's met him who hasn't gone out of their way to say, I wish I'd never met him. Have you met him? I've not, but I've heard the same thing where it's like, in that way of like, oh, he's your hero, you don't want to meet this hero. Like, it'll be ruined for right. you. Right, whereas Robert Smith, I've heard more in the context of a friend of mine was backstage at a show and it was just, he's sweaty and he's kind of big and he's really hairy and he's got his shirt open and he's sitting there drinking a beer and it's kind of like what I picture it would be like the first time Bart met Krusty the Clown right. off yes. camera. Right, right, right. So he doesn't ruin yeah. it. For, yeah, he ruined, they ruin it for you in totally different ways. Although at one point I was programming First Wave and there was, I can't remember what it, what it was for, but it was some sort of anniversary that they're doing a tour and we were maybe going to have Robert Smith do like a takeover or something. And I was on emails with Steve Leeds, who does um, music booking here at SiriusXM, and he had forwarded me an email from Robert Smith and Robert replies in size 72 font. And I thought this is so <laughs> the cure. I love that shit. <laughs> it was like kind of amazing. It's my only interaction, but fucking worth awesome. it. fucking awesome. That was the best interaction I've ever had. And then uh, we have... The guy who I essentially think is the American Morrissey. More or less? I don't... Oh, yeah. How are you? Yeah. Is anybody still... A little bit of our... Mm-hmm. Well, I always kind of felt like I didn't like Michael Stipe, but I really liked Morrissey, but I think it was because a lot of the stuff that was mysterious about Morrissey was just because I didn't understand the culture. So, for example, a song like The Headmaster Ritual I thought was a great title. That's the first song on Meet His Murder. The Headmaster Ritual is what we call Homeroom. Yeah. So if R.E.M. had a song called Homeroom, that means nothing to me. It, it, that's what, how you know how Headmaster Ritual would read to an English person. So I feel like if I was in London, I'd be like, yeah, 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 this English guy. We who, know. Gives, who gives a shit? Let's talk about this man from the American South. Yeah. Right. You know, does anyone really care about REM anymore? I don't. I know that the B52s is from the same area. This in the pylons, Athens. Yeah, Athens. Oh, yeah. Athens I think is, is how it they, Athens? I think Athens? they pronounce it the wrong there, way. There, Athens. That was one of them. Where it's like New Athens. I don't. I, I always hear smart people like them and shit, and then I, I can yeah. take them or leave them. You know what I mean? It's like whatever. I like Orange Crush. Like, Orange Crush is great. I yeah. know all of their stuff from sort of being of that era of watching MTV and watching all the music videos. Right. And really attaching to the visuals of yeah. R.E.M. Yeah, yeah, But there was like some comedians that just launched an R.E.M. appreciation podcast and I like listened to the first episode and I was like, oh, I don't really care that much. That's the Adam Scott thing, right? Yeah. They just like, did it because of the title. I think so, yeah. What is it? It's like, what is it called? It's like R.E.M. R. R U R E M. Yeah, they it's just... actually un- unremarkable. Yeah, y- yeah. Sort of like I was like, oh, I guess I don't really because I was like, oh, I like R E M. Then I was like, do I now? I, I definitely think they're important, mm-hmm. but I- they're not something that I like listen to regularly. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. This might be totally fucking bullshit, but like, I feel like R E M just gets more love than they deserve. For I don't know because critics like them, but I. And they've had hits, but I don't know. Like, I'm never like, dog, I got to hear some R.E.M., bro. Let me, like, throw on Road Trip. Let me fucking put on Stand and fucking just drive. And, like, and like, like, listen. Yeah. I think there was a certain kind of person. There definitely was a certain kind of person who was a, a white kid in college. Yeah. Or a really precocious person in high school who later went to college probably a liberal arts college in the early 80s that it was just absolute crack for oh sure 
I like Devo when you want if you if you want to like point to like a heady fucking mm-hmm. weird intellectually type group like I fuck with Devo like Devo's my guys REM yeah I, I don't know they're, they're not even the same thing but like I can see the same people liking them sure or Talking Heads who come to think of it I left off talking this list heads for is, no good reason yeah, Talking Heads, heads yeah. is groovier to me yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's also because they're like influenced by like Afro pop yeah which and is always gonna Eno, sound cooler yeah. than anything yeah the Bowie and Eno fucking with them and shit like I don't, I don't know if Bowie but I know definitely Eno did shit with them like I just like that. Do you think? Do you think our, part of REM's appeal is one, the MTV, and two, the fact that they were like these intellectuals from the South making music? I think it was just the intellectual frontman. Nobody had seen that before, so every yeah, and like did thoughtful interviews and every pseudo intellectual right. attached themselves to this guy. Like I'm gonna really think it's well, and and that's <laughs> that's what I remember sort of like hearing about college radio. Exactly. Yeah, they're, they they're were synonymous the, with college radio. Yeah, they were like the mascot of college radio. So I think this idea of like kid, they belong to kids. You yeah. know who I? You know who? When I think of college radio, I think of the first Violent Femmes. Like oh. the first Violent Femmes to me was like the epitome of college radio. They went platinum. They didn't have a fucking, they didn't have a music video. And they just kind of crushed on all of the college and and high school radio stations and did fucking. Yeah. And that's like when labels started being like, we need to sign bands like R.E.M. and all these <laughs> other bands. Yeah. I think the Femmes album, at least at the time, was the longest an album had ever gone from release to being certified platinum. Oh, oh wow. shit! Because if something, yeah, if something doesn't get there at a certain point, it's because it's dead in the water. But it just kept going and going and right, going. Right, right. And now at this point, I'd bet you that first album is is multiple platinum. Sure. Once it went platinum, it probably got the second one pretty quickly. Yeah. And it's really incredible. So when it goes gold, then platinum, or is yeah, it I, gold? I don't know what it is anymore because nobody. Can I know. It's like anymore. I don't. Yeah. No one gets lower it. Yeah. in the bar. <laughs> yeah. Traditionally, it was it's like five, seven five streams. You went platinum. Yeah, exactly. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was five hundred thousand for gold. Five hundred thousand for gold. A million okay. for for platinum. platinum. Got it. And they're also. I guess Talking Heads fit this mold as well, where the coolest, coolest of indie person really, really dug what they were doing and it really spoke to them. And then by the time it got to just like on somebody's mixtape after Piano Man, it also really, really spoke to that person and really, really worked for them. It's pretty remarkable what they did in in one album. Yeah. And then we're really unable to ever do it again. Do again and again, like in the wake of their own success. The, was that the album with fucking burning down the house and everything like that? Was that their ju- was that their no? Bu- I, I mean, the, the Violent Femmes is oh, the one oh, yeah. where it's all it's all one album. I've become really Excuse fascinated me. with these people who have these really really short bursts of creativity and are never able to get. And it sounds like uh, Schadenfreude when I say it. That's really not how I mean it. I really got thinking about it. This guy cut my hair, who was one of the replacement drummers in Bush, and he told me Gavin Rossdale wrote the singles for Sixteen Stone in one weekend. Wow! He just got hot. And I mean, they're still terrible songs, but they they, they could you know <laughs> yeah, listen, well, listen, somebody liked him. He, he, yeah, ben, but he ben had Noah hits and, and Machine Head and whatever the hell else he crap he did. He did it all in a weekend. And Jane's Addiction, I think, say that they wrote all of their memorable songs in one summer. I just ordered their first album on eBay. It's oh good. yeah, yeah. That was another one of those albums where I couldn't, I didn't have to feel bad for liking as a rap. Like, yeah. There was a couple. There was a couple in there. Yeah, they showed up ready, credible for everyone. They were like, I remember that was because I was a big hair metal guy. They were kind of a, a a canary in the coal mine for 
right. hair metal because I'd be looking at classified ads for bands to join and stuff. And usually it was like Molly Crew, Skid Row, Bonham. Like you throw in a couple more obscure ones, and all of a sudden it became Motley Crew, Skid Row, James, James Addiction. Addiction. Wow, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I like saw them. Well, this version of it at Lollapalooza, <laughs> yes. of like a year and a half ago or whatever, when they did like the 25th anniversary, and I never really got into them, but I was like, I could see how amped people yeah, were yeah, yeah. and how excited people were for even yeah. this iteration of Jane's Addiction. I was like, should I go back and listen to this? It's I don't really of, know them well. It's funny with that that you say that. Like, I, I went to go see. I'm like, I'm not even a, like a huge fan of Chicago, but I went to go see Chicago. Oh, and just being like, I like five other songs, you know, but like just being. In a stadium where everyone is so psyched singing and singing along to every song, no matter yeah. what, and the guys can actually play. I'm like, it just gave me a new appreciation for what they did. I was like, damn, all right, I'll go listen to them again. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that's like, how I felt about Jane's Addiction. Yeah. You Chicago, no. me Jane's Addiction. No Peter Cetera, no me. When it comes oh. to Chicago, he was not there. I'm he, out. He, he was, well, he I looked into. They were on tour, and I looked into it. He didn't even go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He I was know. like, nope. Yeah, Perry Farrell is one of the. He's on the really short list of charismatic front men yeah and, and like whether or not you think the pieces are greater than the, the holes greater than the some of the parts or whatever like dave navarro is a tremendous guitar player also incredibly charismatic in his own right totally and perry farrell is a fucking he's a front man he's a fucking thing yeah um, and it's so also cool it. like now that we live in la like you drive by saint andrews and you're like oh yeah he's hollering he's talking about saint andrews Mm-hmm. Like what Jane says, and it's still a fucking dope fiend street. Like after fucking twenty <laughs> something years, it's still a fucking dope. Still fiend. a landmark for yeah. dope. You're like, damn, they're still fucking doing that shit over there. <laughs> uh, how about this one, Julia? You said you are less than fully familiar with uh, the replacements. Yeah, I I know of their sort of importance, but I never got into them. This is this is the woman singer, right? Is it the thousand miles of chain? What's her What's her big thing in a Paula, Paula Cole. Was her big? Was, is this a woman front? Front? No, Paula oh. Westerberg. No, I don't know them. Uh, I'm the only I know. one. Yeah, I mean, like my boyfriend loves the replacements. My coworker Jenny, who's on XMU, like one of her favorite bands ever. And I never yeah. got in. I never got into them. I don't know. They're definitely different. People who are listening to this who are not indie rock people, which I'm assuming is a lot of people who are listening to this. What would be the intro song? Be like, all right, man, you need to go check out this song. It's either that one, I think, Alex Chilton, which is just a song about their hero worship of another guy who's like a a, a, a deeper poor man. I was, yeah, I was like slightly obscure. Yeah, right. Big Star is, yeah, is Alex Star. Chilton. Um, Fuck with Big Star. Okay, so this is just a song about how they dig Alex Chilton. And then Bastards of Young was the big MTV music video where they may have been... They were one of the first really prominent ones that they wouldn't lip sync, they wouldn't be in the video because that was selling out, but the label was pressing them to do it. So instead, the entire video is just a close-up of a speaker like kind of <laughs> pulsing with the bass of Bastards of Young. Was it any good or was it just boring as fuck? Uh, it seemed important in the 80s. Right, right. <laughs> like, it moved me at the time, like, looking back. Oh, dude, this is deep as fuck. I was a little young for it, so it was more like, I'm supposed to respect this. this it was right. like when they made political jokes on Saturday Night Live, and I'm like, ha I have a feeling that's I very I think that's clever. funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're on to something here. Yeah, Ross Perot. Okay, well, then there's not that much to be said about the replacements. To me, they're kind of like a five-song band, but those five songs are, are really fucking good. Famously, I wish I knew more about them. Go, I know this is like up. I know this is going to be my post art mm-hmm. this show. I'll go listen to some of the replacements today. Famously, the kind of band where 
one night would be the greatest live show you've ever seen in your entire life, and then the next night would be absolute drunken messes who didn't belong on a stage, right. which also added to their appeal of yes, you never knew what you were going to get. The humanity. Yeah. It was rock and roll. It's sort of it's sort of punk rock. And then I didn't know what to choose from Sonic Youth because, I don't know, this is just my favorite song by Sonic Youth. I love Sonic Youth. Really? Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard someone really? say yeah. that sentence before. For a long time, Are they were serious? like one of my favorite bands. I tend my to, sister loves Sonic, Sonic Youth. Sonic Youth, right? Well, yeah. I find them more respected than truly loved. I'm a really big Kim Gordon fan. Mm-hmm. And she just LL Cool J, remember that shit? Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of... That was like an argument, right, that happened? Yeah, she wanted to like do something, take a picture with them. And, he and he's said like, no. I don't know. You know, like... <laughs> and so she just wrote a whole fucking song. Song being like, F you. Cool thing, um, yeah, walking cool thing. with the panther. Because it was like... Oh, the, is that what that was about? Yeah. Was, she was That's shitting right, on LL Cool J. Oh, and Chuck D's on that. Yeah, Chuck D's like does background vocals, and uh-huh. she we had actually so Sonic Youth had taken over, and she told the story of how that had happened, right? And then she was they were in the same studio as Public Enemy, and she was talking to them like in the hallway, and she said she like stormed back into the studio and was like, "I'm gonna rap on this song," and they were all like, "All right, God, calm down." And so that's why she has that like sort of talking breakdown. That's like her closest version to a rap. Fucking a, yeah. That was a that was one of those that was one of those groups that it was too noisy for me to get in. It was uh, it, 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 once it gets a little noisy for me, like you're like I'm out. Uh, yeah, I'm like, uh, yeah, God, I can't that, fuck with it. That whole album of Goo, I like listened to so much. I I think she was sort of the first female singer, quote unquote, that I had heard like growing up. That I was she was like, certainly a female. She was definitely female, but she yeah is not really a singer. Again, it gave me inspiration. Like I could be in a band, and she right. was like deep voice. She was so badass that uh, she was definitely like a shift for me. Like oh my god, there's like cool women who are not just something like Madonna. You know what I mean? There was like she was my my Madonna. Now let me ask you this: Did, did PJ Harvey follow her, or were they around? Or, or were they, they contemporary? Probably around the same time. Although I bet. Because I think the earliest Sonic Youth is maybe 88. No, 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 no. It's way earlier than that. I way think. earlier Isn't than confusion that? Confusion is sex like, hold on, I'll look. You guys talk. For, yeah, Sonic, you for Sonic Youth? Or for I would P- say they probably were hovering around the same time. Although I think PJ Harvey was so much bigger in the UK than I think Sonic Youth ever became in the US. Sonic Youth was formed in 1981. 81. God damn, yeah. son. And you know what's funny? Because this is, this is to me, this is how you explain Sonic Youth to the uninitiated. I got the EP off of Columbia House. I think it was the first oh. thing. Confusion is sex. Sex is confusion. Uh, sex is violence. Is Jane's addiction. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> There's a couple of key words that <laughs> I think Don't worry about it. And I listened to it, and I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm going to bring this to my music buddy so we can laugh at it. And then we got stoned, and I was like, "Oh, I this want, is amazing!" I was like, "I want to play this for you, so you can see how bad Sonic Youth used to be." And then he's like, well, "Didn't you say this is bad?" I'm like, "Yeah, you're, you're right. Like, this you're is right. actually good. it's actually very great." They have some really good songs, and I loved that they were sort of like a scuzzy art band. They were like my Velvet Underground kind right. of, where right. they yeah made street art something that I understood in Indiana. That's stuff. one of those uh, Sonic Youth is one of those groups that. I choose not to listen to because sonically, sonically, surprisingly, it, it I find it a bit jarring for yeah. my ear. It is but, noisy. But like when people say they like it, I don't. There, there's no. Ju- I was like, I, I get it. You know what I mean? Other yeah. people when they say they like a certain group, I'm like, hmm. 
Noted. You're a loser. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Well, in that same vein, I listened to that on the White Cheesecake Factory. (laughs) (laughs) I left My Bloody Valentine off the list. They're almost sort of the English Sonic Youth in a way. Does anybody give a shit about My Bloody Valentine? Well, that's another one where, like, my fucking my musician homies who I really respect and all that shit. Like, that's like that fucking Loveless is their fucking. That's that's their one. I I think I even own the shit. Like they bought me the fucking. <laughs> I think they bought me uh, Jesus and Mary J- Mary Chain or whatever and yeah. fucking and and Loveless and they were like, yeah, man, you, you got to get these. into this. You know, because it sort of sounds like the way the Beach Boys sort of sound underwater. This is like the metal version of the Beach Boys, where it's just like melodies falling into each other. Is this like where shoegazer shit came from? Yeah, this is shoegazer. Yeah, I don't know if they started it, but they're the best of it. They're for the- sure. To me. It always, to me, sounded like what it would sound like if a rock band melted. Right. It's like, this is the wall of sound. This is like what wall of sound really is. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think I'm going to go cool. back and listen to them. Yeah. Because it's like, everybody I, everybody whose music respect, uh, or musical taste I respect, fuck with the people. So therefore, like, give them a fucking chance. At the very worst, it's awesome background music. Yeah. Which is damning with faint praise. The ultimate damning with faint praise is, oh, they're great. I love listening to them when I fall asleep. Right, but background music that's is That's a whole genre to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. agree. I agree. But I think they're another band that definitely, at least, like, what is indie today, they're one of those inspiration bands where people, like, got into a band because they heard something they're like that. They're like the Velvet Underground from yeah. that time. Like, people were like, yeah, I'm gonna do something similar to yeah. this. Yeah, like, whoa, whoa. That yeah. kind of vibe. And again, the creation story is so great. Oh, what is the creation story a, of them? Terrible plan words. They were on creation records, oh. and they, the label needed the record, and they kept going over budget, and the label was really like, I think people were mortgaging houses and stuff. Like, can you please finish this thing? And they're like, it's not ready yet. We're <laughs> making something perfect. And it ended up costing I, I, something like 250,000 pounds in the 90s, which, which was a lot of money lot. for yeah. an indie label. And it hit. And then Creation signed Oasis and shit like that. Right, right, right. basically should have ruined people because of their relentless pursuit of perfectionism. And then he refused to follow it up for right, years like, and years and years. So the the, the aura around them is pretty impeccable from an indie point of view. That's pretty good. <laughs> Sounds about right. They got yeah. their money back on Oasis. Yeah. They made yeah. plenty of money on Oasis. Yeah, they did yeah. fine off of that shit. And then, of course, we have the Pixies. Couldn't even pick a song. Pixies is another one where I fuck with, but when I put them on my little, uh, on my mixtapes, a lot of times the the rhythm's a bit jarring. Well, here, I'm going to go out on a limb because I don't think any of us are going to debate that the Pixies are incredible. Yeah. I'm going to say that Steve Albini is a fucking awful producer and that these, he, I don't know what he was doing in terms of, like, listen to that fucking snare drum. What is that? That's like a rubber band on a Frisbee. Like, it's amazing how terrible this stuff sounds. I don't know what he was doing. Maybe they came in with a bunch of shitty songs and he helped them make incredible songs. That's entirely possible. Maybe he gave them some inspiration that uh, made them perform better than they'd ever performed. I don't know. I just know that a lot of my favorite albums 
sound really bad because he, and I'm saying they're my favorite albums, but, right, they, they, but the sound is so piss poor. And one think, of my favorite bands is a band called The Auteurs, and he their third album is like unlistenable because they had to work with Steve Albini, and he was like, "I will bless you with Steve Albini's presence," and made this unlistenable garbage. And that's his vibe, I guess. I mean, he's like a very hands off producer. I thought. Well, but it's in the way that it's we're gonna. I was just reading because it's the 30th anniversary of Surfer Rosa that yeah. they it wasn't a. A coincidence. I always thought it was a low budget thing. It, it probably was, but also, hey, we're gonna record in this old abandoned school, and we're gonna put the drums in the girls' locker room, and we're gonna put the drums over here, and we're gonna put the one microphone around the corner, so it sounds like it's not even really there. And right. That maybe makes a cool atmosphere, but you literally end up with just drums and that have zero punch. Yeah. The Pixies are a rock band that don't really right. Rock like I was gonna say record. live. They're much different than what you hear on the album. Yeah, I think what's interesting of the the lack of perfection on a lot of these things is what makes the music sonically interesting. Like it gives you something to grab onto. It's almost like you know when you put bitters in salad or some shit like that. It's like it, it makes you want more. You're like, damn, what is that? It's that's kind of off, but it's it's still right, and it it makes you go back to these things. Shit that's produced too slick. You hear it like three times. You're like, okay, that was. It's just easily digestible, and I think the Pixies were able to hit on that pretty well of being able to do this, like what you said. Like, it sounds like he's playing a frisbee, yet like the monkey's going forever is kind of the shit, bro. And of course, what conversation of indie rock would be complete without? Also hard to pick. Yeah. With- Who is this? I love you, Jude. Radiohead. So my one story about Radiohead. <laughs> I know, I'm like... Fucking, um, you know, I wrote the book about the break breaking up with my ex. And, like, I'm fucking totally distraught. My buddy's like, hey, bro, I'm going to fucking take you to a concert. It's going to make you feel better. And we <laughs> end up at the fucking Hollywood Bowl playing Radiohead. And, like, even Idiotech was played, like, fucking 10 BPM slower and I just wanted to kill myself. But I was like, this is the worst thing you could have ever taken me to, dude. Yeah, Radiohead's fine. <laughs> I, I love like, Radiohead. I like the, yeah, I like, I, I like the later radio. I, the- Do you? Because a lot of people, because I sort of am like a lifelong fan. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm right, just, right. I'm committed to them. I'm committed. You know, it's how, because now I'm like, can't you just put a chorus in a song a little bit? Right. But I do appreciate that, again, sort of like they're making music for themselves. They're not making music for right. what is going to be financially good to them, I and guess. It, and it works because the people that go see them, like, fuck with Radiohead. Yeah. I remember as I was dying inside there was uh people next to me they were like they usually play such and such after this and then that and is it it's like wow man these motherfuckers are experts and the, and and i think the reason why i didn't like the earlier radiohead because creep was such a turn off to me oh sure because it was like like the the rap music i listened to was like about fucking empowerment go get it fuck that shit get it at any cost and then you got this guy that's like I'm a creep. I'm a fuck boy, and you're like, <laughs> like what a like. I just want to hit him with a shoe. I want him to be like, boss up, bro. Like, go get that. Quit crying, you bitch. And yeah, then, he's always been pretty punchable. 
But his lighter stuff, the the the, the stuff after was that the band was that on the bands or was that? Yeah, that was like early. Yeah, but and that's, then like that's Pablo Honey, that's the first album. Yeah. And then there's the bands, which yeah. has High and Dry and Fake Plastic Trees, and then you get yes. the. Uh, and then I like was Kid A, and then the other one like well, yeah, first, Okay Computer. Okay Computer was the humongous breakthrough. That's kind of where I caught it. Like I was like, because I was rap, so. By the, by the time OK Computer popped, I was like, oh, I'll check that out. And then yeah. Kid A, when they went more like more, like more techy and, and shit, like, yeah. that that kind of was in my wheelhouse because like raves and shit was popular. So I was like, oh, OK, like th- that's that's dope. And Radiohead's cool with me now. Yeah, I like. I'm sure. I'm sure Tom York's fine, knowing that I, I, I've now Jude accepted. Approves. Yeah, I've, I've accepted. Approves. Yeah. <laughs> um, they have gotten into a weird sort of electronic space. Like, I love their most recent album. It's called A Moon Shaped Pool. Yeah, and there are really great songs on it. And it had been a while since I had like actually really liked a Radiohead song. Yeah, and he's put out some solo stuff that I've just been like, nope, this is weird and terrible. What are you doing? But I, I'm an apologist. I will go and. Seek them out wherever. Hey, but that's cool, man. You're supporting motherfuckers. Yeah, I'm supporting them. Not that they need me to, but I do. Uh, anybody have any strong feelings about pavement in oh. the few minutes that I fuck with pavement? Like, yeah, I'm a big pavement fan. I, I like pavement. Yeah. This is a, a lot of these I discovered ten years after they came out. Yeah, sure. So like they're brand new to me and shit, and I'm like, yeah, this is fucking cool. And here's another a non-singing ass motherfucker. That right. I, this chorus is pretty brittle. Yeah, I'm like, let me sing. Yeah, exactly. I love it. And my wife would leave me <laughs> if I insisted on playing this in the car. I remember getting into Stephen Malcolm, who's the front guy, like his solo. I was in high school when it came out, and, and loving no pre pre, and wow. like with just cut your hair and stuff like that. And I was like, this is awesome. My sister was like, no, 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 you need to be listening to Pavement. And then, like, getting into pavement later. Pavement? Well, yeah, like, uh, was it my my mouth is uh, desert or some shit like that? Like, that was, they used to, I used to keep that shit on a fucking rotation. And he, I know you gotta, I know you gotta end it. Is there any, like, uh, any suggestions for, for me and the listeners for, like, some shit to check out? And, okay. I, and I'll throw you some of my favorite indie oh, shit, yeah. too. Okay, well, let's, I'll just blow through the rest of, these are the greatest hits of indie as far as I'm concerned. Flaming Lips. Yeah, Flaming Lips for sure. Uh, Elliot Smith. You listen to Elliot Smith and you decide if it's for You'll know very quickly if Elliot yeah. Smith is for you. I don't fuck not. with Elliot Smith. Elliot, I was going to say, Elliot Smith actually might be our Morrissey. I, I know they're different times, but like I'm a Nick Drake dude. Like As far okay, as like tra- yeah, tragic songwriters, like that's yeah. my guy. He, he plays, he's got a little more jazzy shit in his stuff, and that mm-hmm. kind of speaks to me. Modest Mouse, not my thing. Those are my guys. No, I was like, okay. I like Modest Mouse. Okay. That's sort of like a Pixies vibe of sort of... That sort of instrumentation and like song lyric wise of being sort of like kooky. I He's guess. also very David Burney. I was yeah, gonna say. I was gonna say when I first heard him, I was like, "This guy's a David Byrne ripoff." And then I listened more and more, and, it, and I was like, "Okay, he's got his own thing." And then like hearing that, like. It, that he comes from a place of when he's writing, he's actually like fucked up and writes from a, a place of pain. It's something I can relate to. Yeah. So like I, I fuck with Modest Mouse. Those are the, the, those are like the moon in Antarctica. Like that's that's my shit. Like I fuck with them dudes. Tough. Uh, we gotta go. But each of okay. you, why don't you recommend one band that we missed from this list? Um, I would say a more modern one that has music out now is Parquet Courts. They're very much inspired by television and Talking Heads. And I think they're amazing. I'm so I'll be my parquet courts, son. Yeah, I'll be my recommendation for today. All right, Jim. my shit was from like '04, and it was probably the last time I really checked for new music. And it was uh, 
the hold steady hostile Massachusetts. Ooh. Nothing wrong with that. Thank I like you. that. Thank you both. Yeah. At Julia Cunningham, at your uh, root underscore Jude on Twitter, and one more Jude on Instagram. Yeah. Yep. Cool. It's really, yo, it was fucking. Thank you for having me. We all th- this is some out. throwback shit. We're like, ten, we like a decade deep, y'all. Y'all don't even know that shit, man. Yeah. Let's do this again sometime. Let's go.